everybody, I'm Dan Roberts. I'm the arena announcer for the Utah Jazz. Time now to talk about the Utah Jazz and the NBA on the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Podcast. How about this jazz? And now, ladies and gentlemen, let's meet Eric Walden and Andy Larson. Welcome into the How About This Jazz Podcast. Uh, I'm Andy Larson. This is Eric Walden with me. We are the Salt Lake Tribune Jazz Beat Writers, and we are coming at you. Uh, uh, we are approaching officially, Eric, hashtag Game 49 for hashtag Team 49. Is this a tremendous occasion or what? I'm sure that in some multiverse it means something. <laughs> um, but, in, but in this particular iteration of reality uh i think it means absolutely nothing list um, in a base seven system numeric system if we would have embraced that instead of base 10 i this would be huge this would be ginormous yes. but yeah as well, I, is, can't disagree, I can't disagree with you on that but you know um you know no i'm not gonna say that i, I have the reputation as the negative guy i'm not gonna, <laughs> i'm not gonna say something negative were you gonna make fun of me no i wasn't gonna make fun of you I was going to uh, make a comment about the uh, the hashtag Team Forty Nine thing, but ah. you know what? I'm just I'm just not going to do it. Team Forty Nine, it's awesome. It's great. I love that this team is called Team Forty Nine. It's super original, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Um, I I know a lot of hard work went into <laughs> deciding what the theme would be for this year's team, and so whoever came up with Team Forty Nine, like. God bless him. Uh, good on him. Like you did a great job. It is very memorable. I think it was Will, right? Like I think that is actually the origin story for Will is just like trying to figure out how to refer to this team, like, and make them feel like they were a entity unto themselves that was not like part of a future or part of a past. Um, and I don't think that was successful. I think the name is kind of lame. I'll go ahead and be negative, um, but. It has kind of worked. I don't know if it's hashtag Team 49 that has made this team play well, but that they are a six seed in the Western Conference and, you know, at 500 right now is definitely a surprise. That said, like, you know, next year, Team 50, like, just because, as you mentioned, you know, the the numerical system that we do abide by, like, (laughs) Team 50 would have been kind of a cooler thing, but now it's going to feel a little derivative coming the year after Team 49. It's like, oh, that's a great point. real original. They've undercut their own... 50th anniversary celebrations a little bit yeah exactly but uh be that as it may yeah this this team uh has been and remains a lot of fun to watch and to cover um we're just coming off we're recording this after the clippers game and before the brooklyn nets game and so um it it was a rare occasion that uh they were not playing a game that went down to the final buzzer that went down to the last few possessions it was it was kind of nice for once to not have you know um a game that you had zero idea how it was going to turn out at the end that said i guess i can't complain about that that's been one of the fun things about this team is that like they're not out of any games seemingly Uh I, i mean obviously that's an exaggeration but they're also not typically in so much control of games that other teams are not out of the game either and so um yeah it's been a fun season to this point i've enjoyed it for sure and you know i think we should also note that like against the clippers they shot 59 percent from three in order to get that blowout win right like they had to have a pretty outlierly good shooting performance in order to to get that blowout so 
um, you know, I, I, I still kind of think nothing's necessarily easy for this team, um, which, yeah, you're right, I think makes it more fun and more impressive too. But in, yeah, in this, go ahead. They were, they were also playing a Clippers team missing Kawhi Leonard, Paul right, George, right, right. Uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, but yeah, uh, are, are you telling me though that shooting 59% from three is aberrant? Yeah, it's, it's luck. Three-point variance is oh. a thing. Um, so I should pay more attention to these statistics things. <laughs> I remember one of our first arguments uh, was your, like, first, your rookie year, uh, the first week, you wanted to do a story on the Jazz's three-point shooting um, and how good it had been through, ga- through three games. And I was like, Eric... It is three games. It truly, whether or not they shot well so far, matters zero from the first three games for the rest of the year. And I was like, we got to write about something else at this point because this matters nothing. It's like talking about coin flips. It's it's not an interesting topic. And we went back and forth on whether or not like people would be interested in my math BS. And you know, you wanted to describe how the NBA was changing and how the Jazz were a good shooting team now. And I was like. Sample size too small, bro. And anyway, it was uh, that was when we first really got along. Was 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 that week? <laughs> I remember that argument actually. Um, I still maintain it was interesting enough. People would have read it, even if you're technically correct about the too small sample size. We have a uh, responsibility as journalists not to talk about stats that are not important. No, that's not true, because I, I do all the time. <laughs> I, was I say, disagree with that, your, too. Your triple team would be in danger if, <laughs> if that was the case. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's get into the, the meat of the podcast, though. We want to talk about two things. One, uh, Walker Kessler's emergence, I think, is the clear story over the last week. Um, what's happened with him and, and a whole bunch of different facets of him, including what you wrote about in the newsletter today, Eric. And then two, uh, I need your help. I have the Utah media market, all star, you know, NBA vote this year, including voting for the all-star starters. And I want to discuss some things with you as to who I should vote for as an all-star starter, including the possibility of a jazz man. So let's first, though, get into Walker Kessler, who had a since moving into the starting lineup and you know over the last week i think has had a a very very good week has has taken a step up in his game i mean i think obviously the 20.21 rebound performance against the minnesota timberwolves was a highlight but i think there's been a higher level of play from him kind of consistently uh what have you seen most from walker kessler what has impressed you the most from walker kessler i think and this is a non-statistical thing, so I'm not stepping on your toes. But what stood out to me, especially of late, was something that uh, Will was kind of invoking um, post-game last night, which is that Walker, in order to kind of reach that next level, you know, to, to go beyond merely being, like, backup-level, competent, you know, journeyman center um, who's, who's a good rim protector, he needed to learn how to become more physical, right? Like, he clearly is a very tall man. He clearly is very studious. You know, he, he, he watches a lot of game film. He's very prepared for what opponents do, or, or want to do, rather. Um, and yet, while he had some success with that, it also made him, like, very foul-prone. It also led to kind of long periods of, you know, kind of him just being out there without making tons of impact. Um, and so watching him learn how to kind of navigate that, that fine line between 
being physical enough to kind of impose your presence and, and make yourself known, but not so physical as to just, you know, entice the nearest referee to blow his whistle against you every, you know, 45 seconds has been something that it feels like he's doing a better job of lately. You know, um, Will's interesting point to me was like, look, you know, Walker, I'm pretty certain throughout high school and throughout college was pretty much always the biggest guy on the court. And he could just, you know, jump over guys to score, to block shots, to grab rebounds. And while he's still bigger than most people in the NBA, like he he's not bigger than everyone, certainly. And he is not necessarily a more physically imposing presence than everyone. And so he's got to learn to kind of uh, master some of these nuances with, with footwork, with when he can put his shoulder into a guy to, to clear out some space, things like that. And so it's honestly just been kind of interesting to me to watch him, you know, learn some of these little uh, subtleties of the game. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I, I think uh, you're, you're totally right about kind of understanding in the NBA what kind of contact is allowed and what isn't allowed is is really key. Um, and, you know, I, I think essentially that the screening thing is a huge deal. You know, he's, he's talked about the bunny hop um, that he used to go into screens. And really, it just needs to be like a left foot, right foot, one, two, stop thing. You know, I was talking to Mike Conley about that on the road the other day. Uh, and, and then I would also say, um, you know, I, I think the kind of understanding of uh, positioning is has been big. You know, I think he's, uh, you know, being asked to play at different levels, even when the Jazz are playing drop defense, which they do most of the time, does he play off such that he's, you know, 10 feet off of the guy that comes off the screen? Or when the Jazz are playing good shooters, can he be much closer to the point of that screen so he can dissuade that three-point shot? Uh, I think that's been a key for him and, and something that he's done up and down well, but I think did a really good job of that in Minnesota. So, um, you know, it's funny. He hasn't ever had 21 rebounds in a game before, even though he was the biggest dude on, on the court in high school and college. Like, uh, he'd never gotten 21 rebounds like he did against Minnesota. So I think that shows some of his development. I think that shows, you know, like what you talked about. You can get away with hip-checking guy at any point for a rebound you can't get away with hip checks all the time on screens and so again trying to figure out when to when to get away with that and when you can't but um it's been phenomenally impressive and there's no doubt like it's not even that walker will be a starter next season Walker's going to be a starter um pretty soon i mean i would be a little bit surprised if it's not by the trade deadline or you know on trade deadline if, if the jazz make a move and even if even if they were to keep everyone I think, frankly, that the Jazz will just start Walker Kessler over Jared Vanderbilt moving forward because it's it's the right thing to do for his development at this point. Yeah, this was a conversation that we had just because, you know, obviously he got moved into the starting lineup with Kelly Olenek being hurt. And um, we are under the impression that we are due for a Kelly Olenek update on Friday, I think is what we were told. Um, and, and yeah, we got to discussing, you know, like, okay, what happens when Kelly comes back? Because the trend lately has been to go with, and especially once Lowry came back, the trend has been to go with Walker at the five, Lowry at the four, and Malik at the three. I do think that once Kelly comes back, as you as you said, I, I think Walker's just playing so well right now and has so much upside. 
Um, it makes absolute sense to keep him in that starting five. So uh, you keep Walker at center. You slide Kelly Olenek down to the four if he remains on this team. And then Lowry back to the three where he's had a ton of success. Um, and then, yeah, if you have Jared Vanderbilt, um, yeah, it makes a lot of sense for him to come off the bench. Uh, one other thing I think we should get into, I think we should revisit, for those who maybe missed it, the triple team uh, that you wrote post-Minnesota game where you kind of, uh, you know, it, it's a natural comparison for people to make, right? Like Rudy Gobert was the guy here last year. Walker Kessler is the, is, is the center here now. They got traded for one another. They just played each other. Uh, I thought your triple team kind of assessing, you know, their their relative levels of success this year uh, was an interesting one. So maybe if you care to kind of give the Cliff's Notes version of that for the, anyone who maybe missed it. Yeah, look, I mean, I, I think uh, it's a real argument who has played better this season, Walker Kessler or Rudy Gobert. Uh, Rudy's played in more minutes because, you know, started most of the season. Uh, but even given that, you know, I think there's a case for either player. I, I think essentially... Uh, Rudy has been a he actually does have more points uh, and despite I think being a less visually impressive player than Walker offensively um, some of that is the screen and roll stuff with Minnesota some of that is because Rudy Gobert draws more fouls than Walker Kessler does and so gets to the free throw line where he can convert I think that that is something to watch you know like whether it be through kind of the the rebound flops which I think Rudy got to be decent at by the end or frankly just by out jumping people and and so guys have to get into his body on lobs uh teams aren't really worried about Walker Kessler in that same way yet and so uh not getting to the free throw line that being said, Walker, I think, is a better finisher within 10 feet. Uh, got more of a hook shot and, and more of that. And has been arguably, and, and frankly, just statistically, more impactful on the defensive end this season than even Rudy Gobert, three-time defensive player of the year. I mean, I think uh, right now, Walker Kessler is fourth in the NBA in blocks per game, even at his limited minutes. Rudy Gobert is all the way down in 16th in blocks per game. Um, so that's... You know, Rudy has not been kind of the Rudy that we're used to seeing in a Jazz uniform. I'd also say that, um, you know, I think Rudy's been is is probably a better defender in space right now. But uh, teams really haven't taken advantage of Walker that much. And the the on off court uh, differences are are pretty similar and and maybe even in Kessler's favor in terms of who's impacting defenses more so uh or impacting the Jazz's defense more impacting opposing offenses more so overall like it's it's legitimately a close call who's been a better player this year and then of course you add in that Walker is 21 where Rudy is 30 and you know you're paying Rudy Gobert 40 million dollars a year where you're paying Walker Kessler two million dollars a year um, and, you know, add in the fact that the Jazz also got four picks and two pick swaps and everything, or one pick swap, I guess, uh, and everything else they got in that deal. Like, it's just shocking uh, how big of a win this was for the Utah Jazz over the offseason. Yeah, that would be uh, pretty wild to think that, like, Minnesota made that deal, misswung that gigantic deal, you know, with, with all those picks, with all those players involved. And, man, they got to be kicking themselves if they're at all thinking – we could have accomplished much of the same stuff maybe if we had just kept Walker Kessler also, after, making the, after making the trade with Memphis for his rights, right? Can we talk about what a good plant Tim Connolly is in the NBA for the Jazz? Like, 
you could not come up with a more successful double agent than Tim Connolly, the president of basketball operations for the Minnesota Timberwolves. I mean, so before he got hired this year, he was this at the same position for the Denver Nuggets, decided to go to Minnesota for, for payroll reasons and because Denver's ownership is tough to work for. Uh, with Denver, traded Donovan Mitchell to the Jazz for Trey Lyles and, you know, like just the worst pick, the worst trade, right? Like... How uh, how do you do that for Trey Lyles and Tyler Lydon is insane. Five years before that, traded Rudy Gobert to the Jazz for Eric Green and a second-round pick. I mean, so you, you gave the Jazz Rudy Gobert for the time he was good, then got to his prime when he's going to be, uh, frankly, overpaid for the next four years, uh, and decided to give the Jazz four more first-round picks, plus a pick swap, plus Walker Kessler, plus Jared Vanderbilt, plus Patrick Beverly, uh, plus Leandro Balmaro for that it's just it's it's insane like it is uh, truly like if you said walt perrin was a jazz plant in new york or like uh i don't know scott Layden was wherever he's ended up like there has been no more successful nba general manager at getting his team talent than tim Connolly is at getting the utah jazz talent and he doesn't even work for the jazz it's crazy i was, I was- I was going to say, so if you wind up having the uh, the local media vote for postseason voting, you know, I know I don't think this is actually an award that we vote on, but uh, Tim Connolly, get get your vote for executive of the year. Yes, vote in that guy in. No, uh, you're right. Media does not vote for executive of the year, but if they did, yeah, let's give him number one. Who cares? That's pretty wild that, uh, I mean, is it weird to think that like maybe his regret over giving up on Rudy the first time led him to just colossally overpay on on getting him back this time? Like, look, what that, a wild scenario! That what, a, what a world we live in. Happens. I mean, that certainly happened with like Kevin O'Connor and talked about like Mo Williams as his white whale, right? Like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe we let Mo Williams go after his rookie year, and look at what he became—a one-time All Star. Uh, just it's but I, I don't think that's what happened here I think they've you know the Timberwolves identified Rudy for reasons because they wanted to change the identity of their franchise around Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony and 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 Ant uh but I, I I essentially think that like it it just was kind of a monumental miscalculation of kind of the, the value of those assets I, I they I think were too worried about keeping Jada McDaniels I think they were too confident in what their team would be with those three guys uh I think they overestimated frankly how good ant and cat are um and yeah i you know it's it's really it's really rough but oh well yeah well hey let's move on and since i invoked uh the specter of postseason awards voting seems like a good segue into the other thing that you wanted to talk about yeah, so I, I do have the NBA awards vote for uh, this year for All-Star. And I think that in years past, that's usually mean that I do have the postseason vote, too. So we'll, we'll see. But don't know that for sure. But so far, I've, I've gotten the ballot for All-Star awards. That's due, uh, I believe, Saturday. I guess I should get that right for sure. But um, I'm going to be making my decisions here in the next couple of days anyway. And um, want to discuss with you who should start in the All-Star game. Uh now, note that my vote matters less than the fan vote. Fan vote, you'll remember, is 50% of the all-star starter vote. Media vote is 25%. Player vote is 25%. So this is probably the least impactful vote I will make all year. 
Um, but I still want to get it right, right? Like, I still think we have a responsibility to the league and to fans and everyone else to get this right. Um, they did just release all-star balloting totals today. And, you know, I, I think uh, it, basically everyone stayed in the same place. Larry Markkinen is still seventh in, in the NBA in terms of uh, votes gathered in, in the Western Conference front court, sorry, I should say. But, uh, yeah, with 1.348 million votes um but as far as who i should vote for in terms of the the top three in the front court i think it's a really interesting argument to be had for uh larry as potentially an all-star starter like okay so the the competition let me just read read you these names the the top 10 front court guys LeBron James, Nikola Jokic, Anthony Davis, Zion Williamson, Andrew Wiggins, Paul George, Lowry Markkinen, Draymond Green, Kavon Looney, and DeMontis Sabonis. Out of those guys, how do you how do you rank them uh, in, in your mind? I you know I think there's a clear top one, Nikola Jokic, right? And then what? <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. I have Jokic one, and. I think it's interesting that you're wanting to put me on the spot here because you don't want the heat all to yourself. Uh, but okay. I'll play along. I'll play along. Well, um, we, we can frame it in another way if you want. No, it's fine. Um, it's, it's hard, right? Because we can say Jokic is definitely number one, right? Like, he, he clearly is going to start. Um, we can also say, like, honestly, you, you can save yourself a headache by just voting for LeBron, like, because we know LeBron is going to start. I know you probably don't think he's one of the top three front court players no, in I, the NBA. No, I don't know if it, I do. It, it, I think I, it was I, interesting listening to you and to you and Tony, uh, <laughs> night after night, have debates on the uh, continued merits of LeBron James. Like, obviously, still an incredible player, right? Like, and and the fact that he's doing it at the age that he is, um, almost kind of single handedly carrying the Lakers to, like, just mediocrity rather than outright terribleness. Um, but he cert- I, I think with his numbers, he's certainly still up there. And then I think um, probably for me in the next tier, like, you know, Anthony Davis is awesome, but he's played, what, like I want to say 25 games? Exactly 25 season. games. Look at you, Laker fan. Yeah, uh, I know. Uh, Zion Williamson is also awesome, but um, I think he, he's missed a ton too. He's probably played like right around 30, maybe less. 29, um, you're killing it. Yeah, I would be, put me on the prices right. <laughs> um, I think, I think those guys, you know, like those guys have had awesome seasons. I don't know that that's enough games. And so... To me, then you start looking at Lowry and you start looking at DeMontis Sabonis for the Kings, uh, who's like, you know, for people who aren't paying attention to what Sacramento is doing, like he's having a pretty incredible season. So I think it's absolutely warranted that that Lowry is in the discussion and that you're considering it. Um, Yeah. And for anyone who's like not aware at this point, like we don't we don't need to have the conversation at this point of. You know, is Lowry marketing an all-star? He's going to be an all-star this season. I feel very confident in yeah. saying. Yeah, the, the more legit the, the more legit question at this point is, does he deserve to start? I think there's a very good argument for it. I do think 
we can we can safely say that Jokic and LeBron have two of those spots, and then it becomes who do you put in the third? And so honestly, like for me, it would be between uh, Lowry and and Sabonis. So kind of I guess take me through your thinking. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, agreed, LeBron's going to make it. I think if you, like, removed the name LeBron James from this conversation, it's really close. I mean, so you look at kind of all the the roundup stats, the 538 Raptor, the ESPN RPM, the uh, Dunks and Threes EPM, uh, you know, even if you just kind of look at the, the points per game, the efficiency. So LeBron's, you know, LeBron's shooting percentages, for example, uh, is is 58th percentile or 63rd percentile in the NBA. So, uh, you know, does a lot good to be sure, you know, is, is a 96th percentile assist guy, um, gets a good number of rebounds for his position, especially defensive rebounds, and obviously scores like 30 points a game, right? Like, so uh, LeBron, truly great. But what Lowry's standout is that is that he's 10% more efficient than LeBron. Uh, also, you know, putting up 25 points a game, has been putting up 30 points a game this month, uh, is a better rebounder than LeBron, clearly a less good assist person, there's no doubt about that, but also significantly fewer turnovers than LeBron. Uh, is getting, let's see, the, the blocks and steals, just doing a quick comparison, it's about the same as LeBron. Uh, Lowry has more blocks, uh, LeBron has more steals. But, you know, ultimately then you say, but Lowry Markkinen's played in eight more games, which at this point is 20% of the season. So, you know, does LeBron have to be 20% better than Lowry in order to make up for the difference in just the number of games played? I, I you know, I think you can make that case. Um, I, I, I truly don't know what to do. Like, I, you know, I, I think probably you you know and and again then you're like okay you know as as an all-star starter voter am i looking for the best absolute players because yeah lebron's a better player than lowry markin and i feel pretty confident in that um or am i just trying to reward who's had the best first half of the season and in that case like i think there's a case to vote for lowry markin over lebron even though as that's as crazy you know as, as crazy as that sounds uh because because of the efficiency um, because of the better rebounding, uh, and because frankly the Jazz have been better than the Lakers, you know I, I think that's that's part of it too. I, it's it's actually kind of close, um, and I I don't know exactly what to do yet. Even though I will be trolled online incessantly by LeBron stands if I don't vote for LeBron. I was I was gonna say you could just you know quit being a coward and just you know go the way you know you want to and just you know face up to uh the impending wrath of of lakers nation and yeah the lebron lovers of the world united um sure the the other thing i could do ultimately I, I was gonna say let's 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 talk about sabonis yeah yeah, like, yeah. What are, you know so yeah, let's get into that the other thing i could do is just vote for both of them you know and leave yeah. sabonis anthony davis uh zion williamson out and honestly that might just be what i do um, there's a really good Sabonis case, though. I mean, Sabonis is a much better rebounder and assister than uh, Larry Markkinen is. I mean, his rebounding numbers are crazy. I think he leads the league in rebounding, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, certainly defensive rebounding, at least. And, and then uh, 
the assist percentage has been great. You know, obviously the the Kings are, I believe, the NBA's four seed right now uh, are you know significantly better than the Jazz are, and I think Sabonis has been a big part of that. Um, he has played slightly. He has played two fewer games than than Lowry Markkinen has. Uh, has played six more than LeBron has. Um, right now, so in kind of the expected wins conversation, uh, the estimated wins, sorry, I should say, from dunks and threes, uh, Sabonis is 0.2 below LeBron and uh, 1.8 wins below Lowry. So uh, that's something to consider. In win shares on basketball reference, which I like least because it, I think it does overemphasize rebounding. Um, I believe he's third in the NBA, Sabonis is, with, yeah, with seven, whereas Lowry is uh, ranked seventh, and then LeBron is ranked, I think, all the way down in 36, which I think is one reason, again, I'm not that big of a fan of, of win shares. Um, you, you look at essentially the, the plus-minus numbers for both Sabonis and Markkinen, and I think they're, they're really, really good. It's just tough. I mean, I, I think it's a four-person race. I, I, I don't think there's a legit case for Anthony Davis or Zion unless you just say uh, games played doesn't matter. Uh, you're just looking for the players who have played the best in the games that they have played. Then you say uh, Anthony Davis deserves to be up there, uh, and I think you would still probably pass on Zion. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I'm with you. Like, in the games Anthony Davis has played, yeah, he's been really awesome this year, which, given the season that he had a year ago, I really wondered what he was going to look like. Um, he's been great this year. The problem is, as usual, he can't stay healthy. He's, he's just simply not available nearly enough. You know, I'm hearing that he's apparently nearing a comeback, and uh, we'll see how long that one lasts. Um, Zion, as you mentioned, you know. He's had some incredibly brilliant moments. Uh, you know, the defense is still up and down, I feel like. We've we've heard from a lot of our uh, fellow beat writers in New Orleans that there have been a lot of really good defensive moments from him this year. But then we saw in some of the Jazz-Falcons matchups that uh, Utah's players kind of hunted him repeatedly and with some pretty good success. So there's that. Regardless, I'm with you. I, I I feel like that neither of those guys has really played enough to warrant being in the conversation. Maybe, you know, one of them will wind up being the starter regardless. But I think that if we are going just purely off merit, um, yeah, you know, Jokic will be there. And then, you know, two of the three of, of LeBron, Sabonis, and Lowry. Honestly... All of them make the all-star team. I feel yeah. pretty confident in saying, you know, it's it's just going to be a question of who starts. And I, I you know, I think I, it's pretty clear who's actually know. going to start for what it's worth. Like, so a fan vote is fifty percent, and the top three are LeBron, AD, and uh, and Jokic. Those are the three that are going to start because the players right. are are going to vote for Anthony Davis. Uh, the 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 you know, frankly. Anthony Davis is going to get more player votes than Larry Markkinen because of how popularity works in the NBA. Zion Williamson is going to get more votes than Larry Markkinen because of how popularity works in the NBA. Uh, that's terrible and awful, and players shouldn't vote for anything because of that, because they've proven to have truly 
awful voting, an awful voting record. I mean, just go look at how they voted for this stuff in the past, and it's it's it is terrible. Um, but you know, I I think maybe you can say, hey, the players have a case because they don't care about games played; they just care about who's better and have an idea of who's better. And you know, based on uh, you know per minute stuff, you you'd probably say Anthony Davis has been the best of of those guys so far this year. But um, yeah, you know, I I, I think ultimately. If I'm looking to reward who's had the best first half of the year, it's a really close conversation to pick two out of the three of LeBron, Lowry, and DeMontis Sabonis, even though LeBron is, you know, probably the first or second best player of all time, and Lowry Markinen and DeMontis Sabonis are not that, you know, are not in the top 100. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, tangentially related question, Andy. You yeah. had this vote before, have you not? Yeah. Okay. Have you taken into consideration on previous occasions um, appeasing the local guy, right? Like keep, keeping harmony between media and, and player who is covered by, you know, voting for that guy over another, you know, almost or equally deserving candidate. Like, I don't think that's honestly a thing we need to worry about just given Lowry's personality. I don't think that like, yeah. you know, if your ballot was released and you know, it was, you chose DeMontis Sabonis over him. I think he would be uh, sarcastic and make a comment about it. And I don't think it would actually have any real tangible impact on, you know, no the relationship with him whatsoever. That said, I just, I think it is like kind of a, a funny subplot just because how much people seem to think that's a thing. And Agreed. honestly, with some previous people, maybe it was a thing. But, um, you know, I don't think that's the case with Bowery. Look, I'll, I look at it this way. As a fan of the NBA and, uh, you know, growing up a fan of the Jazz, uh, I would look at, you know, kind of the transparency or when people would release their votes. And when I saw, you know, beat writers from other teams uh vote unfairly to support their guys um you know immediately what's up you know immediately that it's a little bit unfair you know it's immediately that it's um that they're biased frankly and so i try to go into this process by removing those biases or at least being aware of them and you know uh trying to figure out again it, you know if i if i weren't from utah who would I vote for in this process? And so, you know, when I had the vote last, for example, it was the year that Rudy Gobert didn't win Defensive Player of the Year. It was Giannis that year. And, and I did vote Giannis one and Rudy Gobert two in that, in that class just because I thought Rudy had kind of a down year defensively uh, and just didn't impact uh, games in the same way that Giannis did, which is one reason why, you know, the Bucks had the league's leading defense that year was because Giannis really kind of took this leap. Um, I, I, I think, you know, I, I don't think I was being uh, part of the narrative there. You know, you looked at like, essentially the question there was, and I remember this debate really well in my head, is Rudy Gobert impacts more defensive possessions because he's playing center uh, and he, he just is defending more shots statistically using the tracking data. Giannis, though, when he defends those shots, is forcing more misses, and then he's also getting more steals and playing, uh, you know, getting more kind of the other kinds of defensive plays rather than just 
uh, impacting shots, right? Like, because Rudy's not getting a lot of steals. He's not getting his hands in a ton of passing lanes. It really is kind of like his defensive value is at the shot, which is obviously the most important defensive thing. But, you know, does the rest of Giannis's case outweigh Rudy Gobert's case? And I thought in that case it did from both a statistical and kind of an eye test thing where, like, uh, again, we, we've seen Rudy not play his best. There are certainly times, you know, I, I think we both really appreciate what Rudy Gobert does, but, like, look, there are times when he plays well and times where he was giving 80% effort defensively. And Quinn would get mad at him for it and his teammates would get mad at him for it because they knew what he was capable of and he wasn't playing to that standard. I thought for parts of that season he wasn't playing to a standard and it was one reason why the Jazz underwhelmed that year. So, um, ultimately, yeah, I went with Giannis, and I think it was the right call. Um, I, I don't think Rudy was, you know, I don't think Rudy, Rudy's opinion of me changed drastically that because of, of that vote by any means, and uh, nor would it be fair for me to have that play a part in my vote when, you know, this kind of thing does matter to players, and, and in some votes cases, you know, matters in terms of their, their game paychecks as well. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, all of which is, is a very long-winded way of saying, um, as you alluded to earlier, Anthony Davis probably got to get that third spot anyways. Yeah. So this is all irrelevant and who cares, but it's a it's a fun and worthwhile discussion uh, just because, you know, what a season from Lowry Markkinen. Right. Know? Like, um, nobody saw this coming when we traded. Like, you and I were having this brief conversation last night as we were leaving the arena. Like, when the Jazz made that Donovan Mitchell trade, uh, everyone thought at the time that, like, Colin Sexton was was the guy from that who was like, you know, perhaps best poised to become uh, a centerpiece player of the future, and um, that pretty quickly has been dispelled. Which is not a shot at Colin Sexton. Um, it, it's just like an admission, you know, a, a very obvious concession that Larry Markinen has had just a bonkers, incredible season. Yep, no doubt. And, and look, I think the more interesting vote is going to be at the end of the year. When we're deciding whether or not he's an all NBA forward, you know, I think there's a, a real case and, and maybe even a likelihood that he should be. I mean, we're we're talking uh I think the the first few forwards are, are relatively clear uh in terms of who, who likely gets those. I mean obviously Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, I think are above him. Uh and then you go to the second or third team and you're like well is is Lowry you know LeBron I think obviously needs to be in that conversation but where does Lowry fit in LeBron uh Sabonis Jimmy Butler Giannis obviously um you know there Jalen Brown do you call him a, a three or a two Paul George same question uh you know you go kind of up and down the list and I think there is a real case for Lowry Markin in the second or third team all NBA so We'll see on that. You know, I'm uh, interested. I think uh, he probably at this point, if there were all NBA votes, I think he's probably third team. And, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens for the rest of the year. But, like, yeah, I, it's it's really, 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 really impressive how good Larry Markkinen has been this year. I mean, really, I think there's an argument. Definitely a top 20 player in this league and, and maybe even with how he's played so far, a top 10 player. Yeah, uh, just incredibly good. Um, I think that sums up what I had to say. Should yep, we, that's should it. we do the uh, 
asking people for money thing? Yeah, so uh, two things. You can go to sltrib.com slash subscribe to subscribe to the Salt Lake Tribune. Obviously, it's not just our jazz coverage, although there's certainly that, and we hope that it's good. Uh, as we get into trade deadline period, you'll definitely want to stay subscribed. But also our news coverage. As you know, it's the Utah legislative session time of year. Um, we've got a great state watch team on that with multiple reporters up at the Capitol Hill uh, to, to report on what's going on in Utah. So for the, the low, low price of $8 a month, we think that's a great value and, and go ahead and check that out. Of course, if you'd like to donate more to us, you can do that as well. You can go to sltrip.com slash donate. Yeah, you can set up a one-time payment if that's all you want to do. You can set up recurring payments if you think that, um, you know, your financial contribution would be worthwhile for a nonprofit news organization such as ourselves. And it would be a big help. You have no idea. So, yeah, sltrib.com slash subscribe or sltrib.com slash donate are the places to go. And as always, we appreciate you all so much. Yep, indeed. Thank you guys so much for listening. Adios.